0: Well, thank you again, band. Uh, again, I'm so glad that you've chosen to be with us today. It is an exciting day. See the baptism out front. Again, this is just a big, big day that we're gonna celebrate uh, the fact that Jesus does uh, turn dead bones into life, right? He moves people from death to life. We're gonna see a picture of that today. We're gonna see the people that he's actually done that to today. And so uh, we believe that the scripture teaches us that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. That means we are dead in our sins, that we are dead to the things of God. And it takes the Holy Spirit of God to awaken us to the gospel, the good news of the gospel. And so we see, we're see we gonna see that and celebrate that today. And I prayed for many of you, I didn't know who your names were, but I prayed for you this week that if, if you are outside the household of faith, If you're not yet a Christian, I've prayed for you this week. Didn't know your name, but I've prayed for you that the Holy Spirit would meet you here, that he would do the very same thing that he's done for these young people, that he'll do for you this very day, that he'll awaken you to the gospel. He'll awaken you to the good news that God loves you. Uh, He will rescue you from your sin and give you a hope and a future, amen? I would say this church is is for that. We are for that and we are for you today. You need to hear that for sure. Open your Bibles. So we are gonna be in Genesis 40. Last week... Uh, Pastor Blake did a great job in preaching through Genesis chapter 39. If you're again new to Refuge, we do expository preaching, verse by verse preaching through the text, and so we think that we that's an important thing because uh, sometimes it's easy to skip some of the hard parts, some of the uh, some of the, uh, the the parts that are a little bit uncomfortable to preach. As we've been over the last few weeks, Amen, church. There's some things that. You might have heard your preacher say before, but we had to preach about him over the last couple of weeks. And, uh, uh, and so we, we preached verse by verse. Uh, we don't think that should be boring preaching because we say boring preaching is sinful. And so uh, we don't wait. Uh, the gospel is an exciting thing uh, for us to preach about. So last week, Pastor Blake did a great job. He was not boring at all and uh, preached through Joseph and Potiphar's wife. And so if you look back in that text, um, You'll remember that Joseph fled immorality. That that was one of the things he did. He was running away from immorality. As a matter of fact, he ran out of his clothes. He was trying to get away from it uh, so fast. He was like, I, "I got to get away! I got to get away from this lady!" You know, uh, "Get your hands off me, girl!" Uh, is kind of the way he was last week. And, and so, uh, so he ran out of his clothes literally. And chapter thirty-nine, seventeen says this. Um, uh, says this. The Hebrew servant whom you have brought among us, came into me to laugh at me. That's what Potiphar's wife said. Verse 18 says, but as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. And so she was putting it all over on Joseph and said, hey, this was him and he was in here and he should have been in here and he was trying to take advantage of me. Um, And so the master puts Joseph in prison. He was all angry about it. And so he puts Joseph in prison. Then verse 21 says, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And so the Lord knew what was going on. The Lord was with him while he was there. And uh, it says that he showed him favor in prison. Then verse 23 says, the keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. And so we see that no, no matter what the circumstances were around it, that the Lord was with Joseph even while he was in prison. Then we get to chapter 40 and that's where we'll be today. Uh, you can follow along with your Bible on your device or Alex, will have the text on the screen today. This is what it says. Sometime after this, and we don't know how long, uh, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offense against their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. And he put them in custody of the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with them, and he attended them. They continued for some time in custody. One night, they both had, uh, one night, they both dreamed. The cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined to the prison, each his own dream, and each dream with its own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they were troubled. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in custody in his master's house, why are your faces downcast today? They said to him, we've had dreams, and there was no one to interpret them. And Joseph said to them, "Do not interpretations belong to God, please tell them to me." So the chief cupbearer told the dreams to Joseph and said to him, "In my dream, there was a vine before me, and the, on the vine there were three branches, and as soon as it budded, it blossoms, its blossoms shot forth, so the clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and presented them to Pharaoh into Pharaoh's cup, and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him. This is the interpretation. The three branches are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you, uh, restore you to your office, and you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand as formerly when you were his cupbearer. Only, when, uh, when uh, only remember me when it is well with you, and please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh, and so get me out of this house." "'For I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews, "'and here also I have done nothing "'that they should put me into the pit.' When the chief baker saw that the interpretation "'was favorable, he said to Joseph, "'Hey, hey, hey, I also had a dream. "'There were three cake baskets on my head, "'and in the uppermost basket "'there were all sorts of baked goods for Pharaoh, "'but the birds were eating out of the baskets on my head. "'Joseph answered and said, "'This is the interpretation. three baskets are three days.' In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat the flesh from you. On the third day, when the, uh, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all his servants with cake and ice cream, and lifted up the, the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker. And as Joseph had interpreted to them, yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. That is Genesis chapter 40. Let me pray and we'll keep going. God, we do need you. Holy Spirit, help us today. Give us all ears to hear from you. Uh, Holy Spirit, use me. Say through me what it is that you would have to say to all of us today. I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. So clearly, Pharaoh must have been some kind of hothead, right? He must have had some type of anger. Anybody know, anybody have any ideas what that might be like? Who's got a a temper in here? Man, come on. I know y'all in church, but it's okay to say you got a temper. You know, I can be mad, ask my kids. You know, uh, we we can all have a temper from time to time. Uh, So first off, Joseph was in prison, right? He, He put Joseph in prison, and he had put his cupbearer in prison. I don't like those cups, you're out. He had put his baker in prison. Those aren't the kind of cookies I ordered. I, mean, I don't know what it was that, uh, that he had put him in prison for, but I don't like those. Whatever it was, he was in prison. And he's like, I didn't get a harumph out of that guy, so you're in prison too, you know. Whatever it is, that, whatever it was that they caused him to go to prison. The bottom line was, don't mess with Pharaoh. I mean, don't mess with that guy right? When I think of Pharaoh, I think of Yul Brenner. Who doesn't think of Yul Brenner, right? I mean, he is the classic Pharaoh. Whenever I read about Pharaoh, this is the, what I picture uh, him looking like. And so the text tells us that they spent some time in prison together. And, um, and, and one night, the cupbearer and the baker both had a dream. Y'all have dreams? Who dreams? Who dreamed something last night? Raise your hand. Nobody's dreaming? or y'all not raising your hand so I can see them? All right, there we go. let see a few more people. The rest of y'all not dream? Or y'all just don't, ra- look, it don't mean you're charismatic if you raise your hand in church to answer a question. All right, we'll keep going. Uh, so Joseph sees them the next morning and they're troubled. So the scripture says that, that they are troubled and so Joseph inquires and, and they both said that they had dreams, uh, but in case you forgot Joseph, uh, there's no one around here to interpret these dreams in the prison. Uh, and we're stuck over here in this prison and we don't know what we're gonna do. And so Joseph said something interesting. He said, uh, do not interpretations belong to God? Hmm. Please tell them to me. You don't need somebody else. The Lord is the one who interprets the dreams. The Lord is the one who can tell us about these dreams. Nobody else can tell us about stuff like that. So Joseph says to tell him to me. See, Joseph tells him that... Uh, People that would go to other people to interpret dreams is a futile effort. It's a worthless effort to go to somebody else to interpret your dreams. Interpretations belong to the Lord. Now, let's just kind of sidebar here for just a second because what they were dealing with and what some of you are involved in is a bunch of superstitious stuff. Oh, yeah, I'm fixing to step on some toes. Uh, Like, don't walk under a ladder. Ooh, you know. Or there's a black cat crossing in front of you in the, on the road. What do you What do you do when a black cat crosses you in the in front of the road? You turn around, or what else do you do? Run over it. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you ever like lick the thing and like put a cross on your uh, window? Is that just me? Okay, all right. Uh, It is a Cosby, Mississippi thing, yeah. Uh, Or like knock on wood, you know, that's just dumb too. Or like a make a wish from a wishbone, you know, if you you pull it and who gets the long bone, who gets the short bone, all that kind of stuff. Or, you know, those of you who deal in essential oils and the book of witchcraft that comes with those or or, what, don't write, don't at me, don't at me. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) I take it back, but I'm kind of in it. (laughs) <laughs> um, but, all right, I'm just kidding about it. most of that, except the last part. Uh, uh, <laughs> let's talk about some real things uh, that people, get, people find themselves involved in. Tarot card, tarot cards. Mm. Uh, the original word from tarot card, that, that we get that word from, uh, meant this. It meant foolishness. That, that's what it meant, foolishness. Uh, and, and and so when it was originally started, to, people started to use those, it was just something fun to do. And now it's moved to where it's connected to the occult. And so that, that people that use tarot cards believe that they're channeling something else, some other power that's giving them some kind of power to tell the people sitting across from them that their cards actually mean something. That's garbage, okay? All right? And so... If, if you're involved in going to get your tarot cards read, it's foolishness. You're, sp- you're wasting your money. If you're involved here and you're reading people, if you're doing that to people and you've got a set of tarot cards that you're reading people's futures, you're, you're filled with an evil spirit if that's what you believe, okay? I, I'm trying to speak truth to you because that, that is not of the Lord. Tarot cards, palm readings, well, you know, there's a long, here's your lifeline, and here's the short line. I don't even know what that means. Uh, uh, this means that you're going to need a kidney, you know, or whatever. Uh, <laughs> your kidney line runs out about 53, you know. <laughs> okay, you're good. Uh, uh, palm readings, mediums, the practice of Reportedly, mediating communications between spirits of the dead and living human beings. Listen, I I know that when our loved ones die, it's hard. If anybody knows that in this church, we know it. We've had enough death around us to do us for a while. And so we know the grief that comes with that. We know the grief around whenever, you, whenever a loved one dies and, and you have any desire to just, man, if, I wish I'd have had that other conversation with them. I, wonder, I hope they're okay now. I wish they could have said one other thing to me. We all want that, right? I mean, all of us would want to have another conversation with someone who's passed away. Just an additional 10 minutes, just a word from them. We all want that. And people that are involved in things like this, play on your emotions, they're looking to find you because you're weak in your emotions and you'll, give, you'll almost give up any information to somebody like that and hang on anything that they can give you just to, hear, just to hear something that you might think might be from your loved one. It's not, okay? If it's anything, it's the spirit of darkness that is just giving some kind of historical information. It's not your loved one. That's not what the, te- the Scripture tells us. The Scripture tells us that if your loved one is in Christ, from they move from death and they move to life. They move from this life into the next one. Whenever they close their eyes in death, they open their eyes in glory. That's the good news. And they are with Jesus. They're not worried about you, okay? I don't mean to say that cold. I, I've experienced it, so I, I'm saying that for all of us. I don't mean to be cold in that. I'm just trying to be truthful. Don't, don't get yourself involved in that. All that is, is, is from a dark, demonic, evil world. Seances. Look, I, I remember as a kid, or, you know, that we, we would try to do stuff like that. You know, we'd sit around, we'd try to do just, just, just steer away from all that kind of stuff. People attempting to make contact with the dead. There are evil spirits. Listen, there are evil spirits, and they're out to destroy. We have an enemy who is set out to, to kill and steal and destroy from us to deceive us from learning and understanding the truth. Ouija boards, playing with those things is playing with something that you shouldn't be involved in. They believe, many people that use those believe that the dead can contact you through those. It's not true. At least it's not your dead loved one. It may be a spirit somewhere, but it's not your dead loved one. You go, you being cold, pastor, I'm just trying to be your pastor. I'm just trying to be your pastor and tell you the truth about stuff. Places that you don't need as specifically as followers of Jesus, but any of you, even if you're not a Christian today, you just don't need to be involved in those things. All of those things of the darkness or of the occult or something that is outside the household of faith. Amen? Amen. If you were, maybe you found yourself caught up in those kind of things. We're not here to condemn you. We're just saying, stay away from it. If you go, I don't know how to get away, preacher, we'll help you. You you, you know, if you need some help, we'll help you. I promise we'll help you, but stay away. What power do they have? And if they have any perceived power, where do they derive it from? From something in darkness. And the question becomes, what fellowship does light have with darkness? What fellowship does light have with darkness? None. Look, Paul writes about this in Ephesians chapter 5, we're, gonna, we're still on our sidebar, but talking about the things that are just tangent, tangential to what it was uh, that Joseph was talking about here in prison. Here, here's what uh, Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 5 or 6. Let no one, say no one. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So let no one deceive you with empty things, but because of these things, what kind of things? Evil powers, the, the, the things of the darkness, the things of the occult, things, things around people that say there is no God. He says, let no one deceive you, uh, but because of things like that, because of people like that, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, and so if you get to the Bible and you see a word that says, therefore, what do you do? You see what the therefore is Therefore, right? So you say, therefore, uh, uh, do not, uh, uh, do not, say do not, do not, do not become partners with them. If we don't want to be part of anything in the dark, he says, uh, people that are there to deceive you, there are people around, and there are people that are out to deceive you. It's not just a biblical text. Uh, it wasn't just applicable to the people in Ephesus. This is applicable to the people where you are and where you live. There are people that will be out to deceive you. Verse seven. So because there are people who are out to deceive you, do not, say, do not, do not, do not become partners with them. Do not. Become partners with them. Say that with me. Do not become partners with them. For at one time, at one time, you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Oh, let me get to the text. There we go. But one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. This kind of harkens back to Ephesians chapter two. This is in Ephesians chapter five. If you go back to Ephesians chapter two, which is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, the scripture says in Ephesians chapter two, I'll read it to you. He says, you were D-E-D, what that spelled? Yes, yeah, you were dead in your trespasses and sins and once you once walked, so he's talking to Christians, he said, you were dead in your sins at one time, you once walked in them. Listen to what he says. So Paul says that. and So he says, you were part of darkness. You were part of things that we've just talked about, involved with things that were not of the the Lord, involved with things that are part of the occult, and part of things that were were part of the spirit of the power of the air. He's talking about the evil one, talking about the devil. He says, you were all once part of that, all of us. Two words, what are they? But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Look, salvation is of the Lord. That's what the scripture says. Paul says we were all dead in our trespasses and God is the one who makes us alive. We were dead, he makes us alive Uh, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Jesus. By grace, you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not as a result of work, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Amen? Amen. Man, I'm telling you, if you, uh, uh, it's one of my favorite Pieces of text in the scripture, Ephesians chapter two, and, and so, so in all this, uh, uh, Paul goes on. Uh, our, uh Paul goes on in Ephesians, and, and so he says, uh, "Walk as children of light." Then he goes back to this: for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and is true, and to discern what is pleasing to the Lord, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. See what he said. What did I just, what did I just do about talking about these things? I'm exposing them. He says. Don't participate in them. Expose them. This is not of the Lord. This is not uh, something that we as Christians should follow. This is not something that we should be a part of. This is something we should stay away from, okay? Expose those things of the darkness. Look carefully then to how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. That's what Paul continues to write in Ephesians chapter 5. Listen, church, don't be deceived. People will talk a lot and they will try to get you to believe things that are untrue. They will try to twist the words and they'll try to take you as followers of Jesus and continue to try to make you believe something that's not true. And those of you who are outside the household of faith, that don't have the spirit of God living in you yet, they're going to try to deceive you and tell you not to go over there and hang out with these Christians. They're crazy. They're fundamentalists. Hey, they, uh, they on the fringe now. That's where we try to get pushed. That's where we're trying to get pushed in the, in the media and places like that. We're the fringe crazies. That's what people are gonna say about it and they're gonna try to deceive you and that's what Paul talked about that here. And we talked about it way back in the biblical times they were trying to do it and people still try to do it today. They'll try to get you to believe things that are untrue but the Bible says that the wrath of God is on them. And he says, Do not be partners with them. That's what he said earlier in chapter five that we just looked at. Do not be partners with them. That means don't be unequally yoked. Step on a few toes. Let me tell you, if you're engaged to be married, listen, if you're engaged to be married or you got a boyfriend or a girlfriend and you're a Christian, okay, listen. If you're a Christian and you got a boyfriend or a girlfriend that's not a Christian, it's time to break up. If you're engaged to somebody that is not, if you're a Christian and they're not a Christian, it's time to break up. We don't do missionary dating. We don't do missionary dating around here. I want you to be nice to them. I want you to be kind to them when you break up with them today. And. You invite them to come to church with you. You invite them to come to church with you. You you can send them a copy of this message if you want to. You can give them my number if they want to talk about Jesus so they can date you again. Uh, But today is the day that you break up with them. The scripture says we do not mix light and darkness. We we, we don't mix that together. The scripture says that those who are are part of the household of faith and those who are not part of the household of faith are unequally yoked. But you know what even that means? You probably don't. Because y'all ain't from Kasuth? Y'all don't know what that means to be unequally yoked. What that means is it's given a picture of like two big uh, bulls or two big cows in a, in a yoke together. They yoked them together. And if one is a big old brute like me, uh, come up here. Come here. And another one is this size. And we had a yoke around our neck then guess who's gonna get to control this where we go? (laughs) Thank you. It's me, right? That means we can't work, what that means is we don't work together. If they're equally yoked, more gets done with less energy because we're pulling in the same direction. But if we're unequally yoked, this one, the big guy's doing all the work or the one probably who's outside the household of faith is working against you. You go, you mean, this ain't none of your business, preacher? Well, it is. If you're part of this church, it is part of my business. If you're part of this this church family, or if you're part of the household of faith, we should love one another enough to say that to one another, that we are not going to be unequally yoked. Break up with your boyfriend or your girlfriend today or tell them about Jesus today. (laughs) Off my soapbox. Listen, here's what what I want to say. Walk as children of the light. Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. How do we do that? We pray. You go, I don't know what to do now. Pastor Scott's done told me to break up. What do I do? Pray. Ask the Lord what he would say. You know what he's gonna tell you? He's gonna tell you the same thing I just told you. Because I'm telling you what the scripture says. You know who the scripture comes from? The Lord. See what loop I just put you in? Good luck getting out of that one. Uh, Pray, ask the Lord what you should do. Believe what it is that he tells you to do. Listen to what it is he should tell you to do. And if you still don't understand, get some counsel. I'll be happy to talk to you about what you should do. Verse 11 Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Verse 15, look carefully then to how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. And the last warning, verse 17, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Joseph rightly said, Interpretation belongs to God, not any of this other stuff, not any of these other foolishness that we find ourselves involved in. And somebody else tell me, tarot cards, you know, all that other garbage I just said was of the not of the Lord. He says interpretation belongs to the Lord. So, so Joseph says, I'm a servant of the Lord. You you tell me what your interpretation, what 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 the deal is. And I'll help you interpret it. And so this is, what, this is what they said, verse nine. So the chief cupbearer told his dreams uh, to Joseph and said to him, in my dream, there was a vine before me. And on the vine, there were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed, set forth, and the clusters rocked into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand. I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said, this is the interpretation. Three branches, three days. Three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head, restore you to the office, and you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand, and formerly, when you uh, as formerly when you were his cupbearer, only remember me when you're there. Please don't forget me. Remember, talk to me about Pharaoh and get me out of this house, for I was indeed stolen out of the, uh, the hand of the Hebrews. Here also I have done nothing, and they should put me to in the pit. And so the cupbearer was one that basically uh, served wine to the Pharaoh. The Pharaoh would like. And the cupbearer would you know, run in and he's got his wine and he's like, hello, Pharaoh, uh, there's your wine. And so that's what he would do. That was his job. That's the only job, not a terrible job, but clearly whatever he did before put him in prison, but that was his only job. And so when the cupbearer had his dream interpreted, he was like, "Yeah, you know, I'm gonna live. Uh, and so he was like, breathed a big sigh of relief. And he's like, oh my goodness, I'm so thankful. You know, I'm going to live. and They're not going to kill me. And whoo, I get to go back to serving wine. I'll do it better this time. You know, whatever it is. That's what he was basically thinking. And so then you get to verse 16 and this, then the text goes on. It says, when the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favorable, he said to Joseph, Hey, 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 I also had a dream. And so just tell me, let me tell you my dream and you can interpret my dream for me. And so he said, um, there were three cake baskets on my head and the uppermost basket were all sorts of baked goods, food for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating out of the basket on my head. And Joseph said, this is the interpretation. In three baskets are three days. He's like, oh, that's the way the other one started, you know, three days. And in three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat the flesh from you. And the cupbearer was like, What what you talking about, Willis? I mean, are you kidding me? That can't be what my dream interpretation is. There's got to be something. Come again, Joseph. Maybe I didn't say this correctly. Let me repeat this again and let me see if you can give me a different interpretation. Maybe I left out some of the details, but none of that happened. And you can imagine dismay in his mind as he's going along, going, What? That's going to happen to me? I'm just a baker. How does this happen? But sure enough, the text goes on and says, on the third day, which was the Pharaoh's birthday, he made a feast for all his servants and lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. And so just like Joseph said, the cupbearer was restored, the baker was hanged, and you, you, know, you would think that after this turn of events, after, after everything that Joseph had said had come true, you would think that after this had all happened, uh, uh, this dramatic ending to the baker, this dramatic salvation of, of the cupbearer, that the, the guy that got rescued would actually remember Joseph. But the text tells us differently and says that yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. And so this text would be a, would be a really nice text and and would have a nice ribbon kind of wrapped up on the end of it if he had just remembered at that time, right? That would have been a nice ending to chapter 40. But he didn't. He forgot it. Do you ever feel forgotten? I mean, maybe you walk through this life like nothing bothers you. You just kind of pretend and put on a nice face and act like everything's not really a big deal to you. We just had our second Refuge Men's Breakfast yesterday morning, and and, and I meant I, men, if you could come and make that on Saturdays, we do it. Just trying to do it every few months. Uh, I to do it. We got another one coming up uh, August fourteenth, so put that in your calendars. We're having breakfast, doing a nine-hole golf scramble. It'll be a, it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, that day, but these last two times that we've done this have been really encouraging. We've heard from a couple of guys, and and so we had this breakfast uh, yesterday, and Heath Harrell actually spoke to us, and one of the things that Heath said was that we men act like everything's okay. We just act like everything's okay. Somebody will say, hey, how are you doing? What's our answer, guys? Good. We're fine. We're fine. Hey, did you see the game? And then, you know, we'll tell some work story or anything that we can tell so as to get away from having to talk about how we actually are. Just so we won't have to say, man, I'm struggling. Man, I feel defeated. Why? Why? Because our culture's taught us that makes us be weak that other men will think we're weak if we say those kind of things. When all we really long for is to have a friend, to have a, a person that'll come along beside us and go, man, I get it. I feel that same way sometimes. I, man, I feel the same way. You, I'm, I've been down that same road, man. Or I don't even know what road you're going down, but man, I'll walk down it down with you. We just don't say those things. But we desire real friendships. And men, we desire people to know us, to see us. Ladies, I, I know you feel the same way too. This just happened yesterday, so it's fresh for me. But ladies, I know you feel the same way too. Y'all, y'all typically talk about your feelings a little more, but I know how it goes. You still live in isolation. And you still feel like you gotta put a front up for somebody and you still wonder if anybody actually sees you. You know, though this chapter ends with Joseph being forgotten, I mean, he ultimately does get remembered and saved from the prison and eventually saves his family. And so so he eventually gets rescued. And so I need you to hear this today. Even though you may feel like nobody sees you or nobody hears you, God sees you. Listen. God sees you. God has not forgotten you. God knows exactly where you are. God knows you intimately. God cares about you. How do you know that, preacher? How do you know God cares about me? See, the Bible tells us that God knows all the hairs on your head. That's easier for some of us than it is for others. <laughs> God, the scripture tells us that God feeds the birds in the air. And how much more does he care about you and me? He cares so much that he chose to enter into this life. God cares so much about you that he came to be like one of us. Scripture says that he took on flesh. That's what this entire Bible is about, is that God took on flesh. God the Son took on flesh, and he lived a life just like you live. Tempted, The Bible says he was tempted in every way, just like you and I are tempted, yet he did it without sinning. He cares so much that he came and he laid his life down. The scripture, by, Jesus said in the scriptures that nobody takes my life away from me. I lay it down for the brothers. See, they didn't kill Jesus. Jesus said, here, take my life. I'm giving my life away. I'm sacrificing my life for the brothers. He cares so much that not only did he die on a cross to cover our sin debts, but the scripture says he was raised from the dead three days later. Look, there are a lot of people, there are a lot of gods that other people worship. You may be worshiping some other god. I bet a $1,000 that god's dead if it ain't Jesus. But Jesus is alive. He is the only wise God, our Savior, and He is alive. He was raised from the dead, and He is ever interceding on our behalf at the right hand of the Father. If if my picture of that is that God the Father, who is Spirit, is like in the heaven, in this throne, on His spiritual throne, and the scripture says that Jesus is at His right hand over here going, You know what? Scott screwed it up, but I got Scott. You know what? Scott trusts me and my righteousness, and so you've already poured your wrath out on me, God, and so Scott's good because he's trusting in my righteousness and not his own. You put your name right there. Hey, you know what? Old Joe, I I know he's messing it up, but Joe's trusted in my righteousness and not his own, so I got Joe because the scripture says that we also have an enemy that is accusing us. Yeah, Scott, you know what? He shouldn't be doing that, and look at him sinning over there. Jesus goes, I got him, shut it. I got him. And that's the Memphis version of the gospel. <laughs> okay? That Jesus has got us, that we have somebody that is accusing us all the time. And, and listen, if, the, if, you're out, if you're not a Christian, if you're outside the household of faith, those accusations are true about you. And if you live on your own, there's still no hope for you on your own that you will face the wrath of God, that the wrath of God is already on you. The scripture says he is storing up wrath to pour on you at some point. He's storing it up. The more you sin, the more he is storing his wrath up. The bigger that bow comes back and he's gonna unleash it on you one day when you move from this life into the next one and live in eternity separated from the love of God at the the active wrath of God well, I don't like that, preacher. I wouldn't either. But the good news of the gospel, the good news of the scripture says that Jesus has come and made a way for you, that Jesus is the way, that Jesus is the truth, and Jesus is the life, that no one comes to the Father except through him. And he he stands here with open arms today and says, come on. I'm here for today. I'll, I'll rescue you today. You don't have to face the wrath of God anymore. I've already, Jesus says, I've already faced the wrath of God. I've already taken the wrath of God for you. And so that is my hope for you today. Is that if you are outside the household of faith, if you feel forgotten, if you feel like no one cares for me, That God loves you and cares so much that He made salvation a free gift for you. A gift, all you have to do is receive. The scripture says, How do you receive that gift? You repent of your sins, which means you turn, you go, I recognize I sin and I sin against God, and I want to turn away from my sin and trust Jesus. Repent and believe the gospel that Jesus came, He lived a sinless life, He died on a cross, He was raised from the dead, He is ever interceding on our behalf. That's the good news of the gospel. Repent of your sins, turn from them, believe the gospel. It's that simple. It's that simple. Ray Orland says, life is hard. And life is a privilege, both of those. It's a both and. It's hard for many reasons and it's a privilege for one reason and that's Jesus. Hardships come and hardships go but the presence of God stays steady. Best of all, God stays close to us through Jesus, the friend of sinners. Jesus is your friend if you're a follower of his. Jesus is your friend if you've, turn, if you've repented of your sin and put your faith and trust in his righteousness and not your own. And if you're a Christian today, just like our text all through Genesis, God's purpose in your life is way bigger than your current circumstance. Paul David Tripp says, your job is not to figure out God's secret will. What's God up to? What's God doing? Your job is not to figure out his secret will, but to humbly submit to his revealed will in his word, and he'll take care of what's next. What's his revealed will for you is that all would repent. All of you would repent of your sins, that all of you would trust in him. That's his revealed will to you that all of you would come to the saving knowledge in Jesus Christ. Look, you, you can't predict the future. No Ouija board or no medium or no set of tarot cards can either. But the Lord of lords holds your future in his hands. He holds them in his hands. Look, you may be suffering now just like Joseph was in prison. Suffering doesn't have to be simply loss. Suffering can also be an investment. God understands our suffering, God understands your suffering. One last thing. Maybe your suffering is a result of your own sin. Maybe your suffering is because you haven't yet let go of that besetting sin that always seems to raise its head in your life. Or maybe your suffering is just simply because we live in a fallen world that needs a savior. We all need a savior. Some of you, forgotten in your own metaphorical prison, hurting and thirsty and alone today need Jesus. There's a song that goes like this. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is calling Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes a new life is born. Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Let me pray for you.